Hello, Neil Stratton. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for uh, being a guest on the Thriving Sports Leader podcast series for West Virginia Sports Leadership and Development Association. Welcome. Please tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, Lauren, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on. Uh, it's my pleasure to do so. It's always fun to talk about careers in sports and kind of how I got here and those kind of things. Um, just to give you a quick overview, I'll try to get it, make it quick if I can. Uh, I moved to Houston in uh, 1997 and I got here. I was working for the Houston Chronicle, which was at the time one of the, I think the, the largest newspaper in the South, but I was in a very unimportant role. I mainly covered high school sports. I didn't even cover them. I, I, I edited stories that other, other people wrote. And so <clears throat> it was a pretty easy job and didn't take up a lot of bandwidth. And uh, so I got here and the first weekend I, hear, I was here, I think I met a girl whose fiance wanted to be the next Mel Kuyper Jr. A lot of people don't know who Mel Kuyper Jr. is anymore because he's kind of, his star's a little bit down, you know, I guess today I would say Todd McShay or, or you know, someone along those lines. Anyway, the point is he was fascinated with the NFL draft, as was I. So we started off doing a paper publication that came out four, uh, four times a year. And the big book came out predictably the month before the draft. Again, we kind of were lifting everything from what Mel Kuyper did. And so I took the defense and he took the offense. And so he watched every op every college football game he could. And I wound up going to a lot of uh, college football games and being in Houston, there are a lot of schools that are within a pretty easy driving distance. So I could go to Texas A&M or Baylor Absolutely. or UT or whatever. So I took advantage of that. So anyway, we did that for four years, I think, and uh, basically took turns losing about two grand every year uh, to publish a sucker that we would stack up in our garage. And, and this is the time when, uh, you know, the, the internet was kind of going up and newspaper and print were kind of going down. So okay. um, I decided in, I think it was 2001, hey, I'm gonna go to the Shrine game. I've never been to the Shrine game before. It was out in San Francisco at the time. I actually took my wife and my mother-in-law and uh, kind of made it a, a fun trip. And uh, I got out there and met a lot of people and kind of got a sense for what was going on and got the idea that you know, boy, agents are a really big part of this program and, and kind of the sport and, and what everyone does. And, and no one's doing anything for agents per se. Um, at the time, Street and Smith Sports Business Journal had just been launched and that was a big deal. And the idea of sports business news was something that people were kind of latching onto. And so I subscribed and I loved it. I thought it was great, but I got about seven or eight column inches of football business every month or week or whenever, however, uh, however often it came out. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it every day. And I'm going to focus solely on this part of the industry. And I think people are going to love it. And so I did a lot of market research and I talked to a lot of people about it and had met a few people and they're all very positive. And so it got to where Lauren, we launched uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2002. And I remember staying up the night before because I was so concerned that we were going to get so many memberships that day that it was gonna crash the servers and we we're gonna be, oh my gosh, we don't, have, we don't have any bandwidth, what's going on, okay? So that first day I got, that day I woke up, I got two subscribers. And on the third day, one of them wanted his money back. So that was kind of my start with ITL. It was not a big ball of flame, it was more like, kind of like a, maybe even a candle as far as, uh, you know, relatively speaking. Um, so we went from $250 for a nine month subscriber cycle to $45 for, I mean, we, we had a sale, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> we slowly, we kind of kept 
I won't go into all the details. We kept kept things going for until 2007. And at that point, um, again, without going into a lot of boring details, I had already worked for one all-star game, kind of running personnel. And I reached out to the person running the hula bowl, um, sent him an email, and he responded to it. And one thing led to another. And I got hired in July of 2007 to run the hula bowl, which at the time was the number three all-star game. And I was going to assemble the rosters mm-hmm. and do a lot of other things along those lines. And so I thought, you know, hey, hooray. ITL never really performed the way I had hoped it would. Let's shutter this sucker. I'll retire to Hawaii someday. I'll wear grass skirts and, you know, drink out of coconuts. And so um, January of 08, I found out that was not going to be the reality because I got, uh, because my phone um, was turned off. And and then the next day, my uh, health insurance, I got a call saying that was canceled. This was like two days after I'd gotten home from, from, from Oahu. Um, that's how I found out that the hula bowl was canceled. So time to scramble and figure out a plan B. Well, um, you know, I spent a couple of weeks just kind of sitting around the house, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And my wife you know, kind of kicked me in the butt and said, listen, when you started this inside the league thing, you want to do it, you know, a monthly charge and you want to do just the industry, the, the business, and you we're going to do all year long. And then somehow that became, 45 bucks for a nine month cycle and you're doing mock drafts and player rankings and a lot of things that fans want, Mm -hmm. but not as much for the business. And so I said, you know what, you may be right. So I went to the combine that, that uh, February and I said, listen, we're coming back. And, you know, I had all these flyers and I handed them out and people were kind of like, okay, whatever. They weren't really excited, but we started back in September of 08 and slowly the people that said hey you know what i really don't need this anymore they started coming back because you know we had gone from a 45 dollar for a nine month cycle to 25 bucks a month and there was outrage there was who do you think you are how could you possibly ask for this and i was kind of agree with them i was kind of like you're right but i'm going to try this otherwise it's not worth doing um by the time we got to january uh february of, of 09 i realized that i probably had been underpricing myself and we did have something and so okay. um, from there, it is kind of morphed, uh, Lauren. We now do a lot of things that we never dreamed we'd do. We work a lot in the scouting community. We have uh, a big seminar at the Combine every year, which is kind of a mini, 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 mini Oscars. We, 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 hand, out, we hand out awards to scouts who've been voted as, at the top of their business by their peers, right. by other scouts. And we have a best okay. draft award that was won by the Broncos this year based on their performance uh, the last week of April last year. We have a, a, basically a lifetime achievement award for scouts. We have a lifetime achievement award for agents. And then we also present our findings on salary surveys and things that we do related to the industry. So again, this is very deep inside football, but there's a market for it. Of course, it is a niche. Um, we have also mm-hmm. become the leader in agent exam prep. If you're gonna take the NFL agent exam, you're probably gonna work with us. We have two practice exams as well as a study guide. We do monthly Zoom sessions with an active agent who kind of goes on and talks about the really weighty, tricky topics. The CBA is 700 pages long and it's written in legalese. So you, if you're yep. someone that's dumb like me, you really need some help. And we have a 70 page study guide that's PDF that we send out. It's pretty pricey, but been very successful, very popular. And then we have our, our practice exams. So, we do a lot with exam prep. Um, in May, uh, immediately after the draft, we are pretty. We cover the scouting industry, who's getting hired and who's getting fired, and who's interviewing where, and all those kind of things, pretty extensively. Okay. And so we've got a 
pretty good following on Twitter because everyone in the industry wants to know, you know, where the jobs are and what's going where, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely right. And then, of course, in uh, the fall, we kind of cover the lead up to when players are going to sign. And then in November, we we kick off our signings grid, and it's the most comprehensive one out there. Uh, we track who's signing with what agency and what all-star game the kid's playing in, and if they have an NIL deal and where they're going to train. And no one else mm-hmm. does that. We've been doing that for you know the better part of 20 years. We also partner with the College Gridiron Showcase, which is an all-star game in Fort Worth. It's probably the number four all-star game. Uh, it's a it's a different situation because it is, it is a showcase. We don't have a game per se. What we have is practices aimed directly at scouts. We give them exactly what they want so they can see what they need to of the players. So it's a different model and I don't run it. I'm just a partner. I'm part of it, but I, uh, I, I, I serve those guys this year. We had our first ever what's called CGSU. We brought in 20 aspiring NFL scouts. They spent four days working with, with NFL teams, helping them, aiding them, kind of running kind of gophers for them. We also, they, each night they would go and they would listen to a presentation by an active NFL scout or a former NFL scout. And they would hear and kind of how they got in the industry and, what they liked about it, what they didn't like, and all those kind of things. So okay. it's a fun it's a fun thing that has kind of fallen on my shoulders. It's a blessing. Um, God knows when I launched this sucker in 2002, I didn't know what direction it was going to go. It's become a situation okay. where we try to find open markets and try to seize those markets. We also do interview prep. I have a former NFL GM, Jerry uh, Angela, who uh, I think we trained 25 kids this year to be ready for the, the interviews at the combine at their all-star games. And probably those 25, we'll probably see about 10 of them go on day one or day two. So um, just a lot of different things um, that we've been able to figure out that no one else was doing. And it's not a really big thing that makes me rich and famous, obviously, but it does keep the lights on and um, supports my family. And it's a lot of fun. And I love working with people in the industry like yourself, because we are all united by one passion. That's, Going out and helping these young men, um, and in some cases, women, and of course, the sports spectrum yep. across, um, um, achieve their dreams. And um, yep. that's what I get to do most days. So it's pretty rewarding and it's a lot of fun. Gotcha. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I guess tell me, like, what was your educational background? Like, how did you just wander into inside the league? That's a great question. It's a, a question I get pretty often. <laughs> um, I'm not very smart, Lauren. Um, and so I, I, I went to the Naval Academy in 1987 as part of the class of 91, okay? When I went to the Navy, um, they were building out the, they were trying to build a 600-ship Navy, and they wanted a nuclear reactor on every ship. And so everyone, I don't care if you're an English major or a political science major, you got two semesters of chemistry, two semesters of physics, and two semesters of electrical engineering. That was way too much math and science for me. So yeah, I wanted being there for four years. I walked on the football team, didn't play for very long, wasn't very good. Uh, but I was there for four years, but I didn't graduate. So I kind of went on an odyssey and I went to West Virginia Tech where I kind of pursued engineering because I just wanted to get out of college. I wanted to graduate and move on with my life. Well, that didn't work either because okay. still math and science. So I wound up yeah. going to Marshall University and getting a journalism degree, which is about as far away from anything related to the Navy or to engineering as you possibly could get. And it's why it took me seven and a half years to graduate. I essentially went to college twice. So, um, but okay. the lesson, everyone has their own journeys. <laughs> that's well, I appreciate you saying that. The lesson was love what you're going to do um, or don't do it. I, uh, 
again, I, I, I kind of felt like I was a square peg in a round hole when I was at Navy, even when I was at West Virginia Tech. It wasn't until I got to journalism that kind of we got everything in gear and the wheels started turning. So um, okay. that's getting to journalism. You know, I, I, I envision being the sports editor of a major daily someday. It's just kind of on the way to there. Um, all this other stuff happened. And I met someone who was passionate about the same things I was passionate about and dumb enough to try to make a success at it in a very, very small area, uh, very small market. And then to be able to kind of spin off of that into something else and to have the patient wife and, um, and I guess my own persistence to be able to kind of make it this way. People are always asking me, you know, I, did you get a degree to start this? No, I don't even know how to describe exactly what I do. I mean, what I told you is my best shot, but my wife doesn't do a very good job describing it. I don't do a very good job describing it. It's, it's different every day, but it's related to the industry. It's, it's related to the business of football. It's related to helping people. And so, you know, so that's, I guess that's kind of what I do. I gotcha. Okay. Would you say that like networking has helped you through your journey? If you scouting i think by its very nature is somewhat of an introverted industry you're kind of wanted to sit in and watch film and that kind of thing but if you don't break out a network you're finished you have no chance uh, especially the way yeah. scouting is hired today it's i mean <laughs> it sounds ridiculous when you're talking about essentially 32 fortune 500 companies but it they they mostly hire on who they know and if you don't know somebody you're cooked uh, i was fortunate enough to be able to come and speak at the a personnel symposium in Nashville about three or four years ago. And okay. I was talking about how to get a job at scouting. And I noticed as I was speaking that there's all these round tables and at each one of these tables, everyone's wearing the same colors. And then I went out that night and they had an open bar kind of thing. And everyone's standing around in a circle drinking beer. They're all wearing the same colors. If you go and get in your silo, you'll never build the relationships you need to be able to advance in this industry. You've got to go out. Yep and make friends and prove yourself and work for free, volunteer, do all those kind of things, blood, sweat, and tears to get to where you're actually <laughs> hireable and, you know, and, and something that someone is willing to pay for. And so networking yeah. is, I don't know of anything that's more important in this industry. I, I, if someone said, hey, I want to be a scout, is it more important to network or to really have a good scout's eye? It's networking 100 out of 100 times. It's, it's so important to be able to prove yourself to people, to show that you have skills, just getting along with others and to know the people that are where you need to be for you to get that job. I mean, it's, it can't be overstated. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. It's definitely, you know, all about networking. And I mean, that's how I reached out to you. That's how I reached out to a lot of my, a lot of my people, you know, that I've interviewed with and just brought into the informational interviews that I host, um, through the national, or sorry, through the Sports Leadership and Development Association. Um, so going back to, you know, like working for free, internships, definitely, for sure. You agree with those? Yes, um, you have to. And, um, and and I will even go so far, Lauren, as to say, especially if you want to try to go down the road that I'm going, or, or really any road in football, not only internship, but when you get a job, I think you need to value flexibility, even over pay. Um, when I came to Houston and, and I kind of alluded to the, to the job that I had, but I mean, it really didn't, uh, didn't even require me to be in the office 40 hours a week necessarily, as long as I got the job done each week. And I took advantage of that. Um, I mean, I would, 
I went to every all-star game that I could drive to and some that I could, that I had to fly to. Um, you know, I, I was constantly working on what I was doing. I was always trying to figure out, Hey, what is it that people want? I was on the phone with people. I was sending emails. Um, I couldn't have done that if I didn't have a super flexible job. So yes, internships are, are critical and you've got to be willing to work for free for a certain amount of time, but then you've got to be willing to work for, I guess, a little bit less for a while too, mm -hmm. to be able to really figure out where you want to go and what you want to do and all those kind of things. And that's true if you're working in personnel at a, at a school or if you're interning for an agent somewhere or, or any, you know, almost any stripe, you've got to be willing to have that flexibility and that patience and that humility to go out and, and work, uh, you know, for a while uh, doing stuff that you may not want to do and not even getting paid for it. Nice, nice. So would you say that you've used like mentorship or had mentors through your journey? I know you've had a very creative, you know, innovative type of background. Do you still utilize some type of mentor like as you progress as well? You know, I, I would say, yes, I do. I've got friends that are definitely in leadership positions that I will bounce stuff off of. When I first started out with ITL, I was definitely, I have a, a guy that I call like my uncle in the game. His name is John Paul Young. He was a, he's been a scout. He's been a coach on the college and pro level. And John Paul uh, is an incredibly selfless person who was willing, there was no one that he knew that he wasn't willing to introduce me to. There was no one that he, uh, that believed in him that he wasn't willing to, to sell me to. And if you don't have someone like that in the industry, you're finished. There would be no ITL. There'd be no, I'd be doing something else if it weren't for John Paul. Um, he's oh. almost like a father to me. And um, nice. there are a lot of people out there. There's, there are a lot of people that aren't as well, but if you can I find agree. that person, <laughs> if you can find that person <laughs> that is willing to give you a chance and that, that, that believes in you and is willing to kind of pour into you in a sense, then you have so much of a better chance than if you don't. And uh, I can't imagine people that are out there trying to do it by themselves. I mean, and again, when you're willing to intern and, and do those kind of things, you're much more apt to be able to find that person. And, and that person can be a serious door opener for you, you know, really get you into places that you might not have gotten to otherwise. So okay. mentors are absolutely essential. And that's something else that I encourage everyone listening to this to uh, just definitely consider. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Mentors. Yeah. Definitely going to somebody that has been in your shoes at one point in time for sure. Yes. And willing to listen to stupid questions, you know, cause I've had lots and lots of them, you know, and uh, I'm sure there are lots of times that when I was on the phone with someone, they were rolling their eyes. I just couldn't see it, you know? Um, but that's <laughs> part of, that's part of being a mentee, you know, and if you find someone who's a good person and who's, patient, then they're going to be willing to deal with that with you and kind of walk along with you and help you, you know, and that's, again, I've just been incredibly blessed to have that. Nice. So I, I, I mean, like, you know, piecing together kind of your inside the league company wise. So you have the scouting side, you have the agent side, you know, what do you feel like there's a void that you're still missing throughout that industry that maybe you could, you know, emphasize more on? No doubt about it. As a matter of fact, I was just on the phone before we got, got on here uh, with a friend who's kind of looking for avenues in football. And I said, listen, there's never been a greater opportunity to build something kind of ITL related than there is now. And, and that's because of NIL and the transfer portal. If you're in, interested in college football and the, the direction of things and the business of it, 
Um, I mean, those are, it's almost, you know, it's almost chaos in the transfer portal right now. And, and to some degree, the same for NIL. I mean, the things are just changing exponentially mm-hmm. right now. So if you could invest in that and really figure out, I want to become an expert at this, you know, what is it going to take? How do I, who do I network with? Who do I need to meet? Um, if you could really take advantage of that, then that's, there's an opportunity there. That's probably the area we're trying to grow right now because it is going to become such a determinant for so many things in football. Um, I, I would like to do more with search firms as well. There's, um, I think that's one of the greatest stories that's not told in football is how these coaches are hired and the relationship they have with big firms and, and you know, how they hire their assistant coaches and all those kind of things. That stuff really fascinates me, you know, kind of the coaching trees and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of areas to explore that really don't get a lot of exposure right now. And so when mm-hmm. people say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do the draft or I'm going to try to be a scout or whatever. I always say, you know, do you want to kind of compete with like thousands of people or do you want to just compete with yourself? And I think that yeah. if you go down these less populated paths, they can be just as fun, just as rewarding and a lot easier arc to success. That's at least that's my, my pitch. And that's kind of what I tell people who are looking for that opportunity and trying to figure out what their niche is going to be. Gotcha. So I, you know, that kind of makes me think like in the sports industry, you have your hands, not just in one pot, but you have your hands in multiple pots, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. correct. All of them football related pots, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like mine's not necessarily all football related, but it's still within the sports industry. It's still right. dabbling within some type of aspect within sports. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily, you know, anybody that's listening, does it have to be within one sector of sport? It could be across multiple, but you're Another, still creating that network. You're still creating that branch. You know, I never played baseball. I didn't even play baseball when I was a kid, but I always thought but baseball has always intrigued me. And so I always thought, do I want to try to go towards baseball or kind of go toward more towards football, which, you know, was, which I knew a lot more. It just so happened that the friend that I met was going in a football direction. So that's kind of the direction that I went. And I'm so glad I did because um, the gestation period from signing a player to getting paid is a much shorter period than, it, than in baseball, in basketball, even in hockey. Um, it's uh, for the purpose of what I do and the, the industry that I try to serve it makes a lot more sense that I would go this route. So it's worked out. Gotcha. Funnily enough, I, I wanted to get more into the hockey industry or hockey sports industry, and it just never happened. I kind of like fell into the whole football industry and I just, I love it. I mean, like the people, just the environment, just everything that's going on is so, you know, exciting and just constantly moving, everly changing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. I don't, I hockey's always intrigued me, but I don't know anything about the business. And if I try to do an ITL for hockey, it would be a miserable failure. So maybe that's your that's your avenue, Warren. <laughs> nice. Okay. So continuing on, I guess. So, you know, you're a sports entrepreneur. You kind of started your own business. How do you, you know, create that balance, that work-life balance for yourself? How do you keep yourself sane? Mm-hmm. Well. I don't have any hobbies, Lauren. Um, I don't fish. I don't hunt as much as I'd like to. I don't play golf at all. Um, I follow my sons around to their basketball practices and stuff. Um, you know, I have my wife and then I've got this. And so I spend a lot of time with this laptop in my lap. I spend a lot of time in my home office here. Um, I don't sleep a whole lot. Um, 
what's the, how do you maintain the balance i don't know i my wife always tells me i have no work-life balance um i mean if, if i get a text while i'm at the dinner table i respond to the text it's important to me that my clients know that i'm with them at all times um okay now you know we will go on vacations occasionally and um i have a wonderful wife and, and two sons who understand me and get me and they, they really don't know me any other way so they're pretty patient about these kinds of things um i don't I don't know if that's what work-life balance looks like. I know what works for me. Um, mm -hmm. My brother-in-law is the biggest window tenor in Houston, okay? And on weekends, he's fishing Saturday and Sunday, every weekend, and Friday night, usually. He's got way more work-life balance than I do. Um, I don't know if I could sustain this if I was taking the weekend off every week. I don't know. Maybe I could. Um, but... I know it works for me. I enjoy it. I'm still passionate about it. So I guess I'm maintaining successful work-life balance. If I dropped out of a heart attack tomorrow, then I guess I wasn't. But uh, well, so far, so good. That hasn't happened. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. Don't exactly. knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jinx myself. How would you say that you've personally developed over the years, you know, as an internal reflection, kind of like, you know, progressing from your naval days all the way through your martial days? Sure. Um, you know, I think that when I started out in the 80s, I was a lot more um, career oriented in the sense that I thought I would work for someone and I would climb the corporate ladder, you know, and obviously that's not what, what worked out for me. And so as I became, you know, I had that thing of, well, I'll just get in somewhere in some office and I'll put my nose to the grindstone and I'll be the hardest worker and I'll be, you know, and they'll They'll recognize that and I'll, I'll succeed that way. As I have developed, I've learned a lot more about relationships. It's a lot more about um, building out your network and making people know that you value them and trying to give as much as you take and all those kind of things. I mean, I think you know, one of the little credos we have for ITL is relationship over everything. And uh, I'm willing to get burned, um, humiliated at times, embarrassed, whatever, if that's what it takes to maintain a relationship and to stay friends with someone, because it's not easy. It, you know, I mean, these days, especially it's so hard to build a friendship, but you can burn a relationship and end it over nothing overnight or, you know, minute to minute. And so I try to never do that if I can avoid it. Um, do I have some people that I don't have good relationships with? Of course. I mean, I'm a human being, but at the same time, um, I want the number of people that I'm, good with versus the ones I'm not good with to, you know, obviously I want to be with the good people a whole lot more and, and even try to work on the people that I'm not so good with, you know? Um, and I think that's something that I would not have said when I first started all this stuff about 20, 30 years ago, I would have been a lot more of, I'll, I mean, my work will be my reward and yeah, people will reward me based on the, my success. I don't need to need other people. And, I would say it's completely opposite now. I mean, I don't think that you can have the success without the people and the relationships and, and the network and those kind of things. I mean, that's so important. Gotcha. Nice. I like it. Cool. Very cool. So now I'm going to go more on the career type aspect. So what are some career developmental tools that you've kind of utilized as you progressed? Mm -hmm. Well, when I first started this, really, I was just a writer and um, I was kind of late to Twitter. As a matter of fact, I think I'd got my Twitter account in 2009 and it had probably been going and blowing for three or four years at that point. But 
Um, and Don't I'm feel bad because I think I just signed up for Twitter like maybe two years ago. <laughs> well, you probably have every other social media account, Lauren. I don't. That's my only social media account. I don't do Facebook. I don't do any of those kind of things, which my boys always kill me about. But um, I guess developing in that direction has been more so, I guess, one of the main things that I've, I've kind of learned and grown to. Um, I'm still not very active on social media, but I know that I would have a fraction of the readership and the network that I have if I didn't have that because it's just an easy way to communicate with people in your slice of life or slice of slice of business or whatever. Um, yeah. As far, you know, I mean, I never dreamed that I'd be putting on an event for 150 to 200 people every year in a city that I didn't live um, in a major NFL environment every year. And, and, and yeah. so I guess I've kind of grown in that event planning kind of stage and having to find sponsorships and solicit that kind of stuff has been something that I never thought I would do. So those are kind of the skills. I mean, when I came into all this, I thought, well, I'm going to be a writer and that's all I need to be. And ITL is so much more than just our password protected blog. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things. And I think if you ask 10 people what ITL is, they would, a lot of them would have different responses to them. It would be the guy, I'm the guy to call when they've got a question about the agent business or I'm, some would say, I'm the guy to call when I don't know someone, I need to make an introduction. Some would say, well, yeah, it's the password protected blogs. Some would say it's the big seminar in Indianapolis. Some would say, I wouldn't have passed the agent exam for that. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of go at this. Some would say our newsletter mm -hmm. that comes out on Fridays. So, um, you know, a lot of things happened that I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't kind of adapted and morphed and changed. And I, I think that's true of any career. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Would you uh, would you say that there are more kind of like changes and adapt? You know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Are there more skills and you know tools that you've optimized that are more relatable towards the sports industry versus you know just being kind of like a blank statement? Hmm. Um, as far as Content-wise, or as far as services we provide, or as far as events that we hold, as far as kind of like your professional career development. So, like, what are tools that you've kind of utilized that are more sports-specific versus mm -hmm. you know just business-specific? For me, it's if there's if there's someone talking about football within a drivable distance, I always took advantage of any kind of symposium or seminar or anything like that. And I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but I knew that I, there are a lot of things I didn't know and there are a lot, a, lot, a lot of relationships that I needed that I could only get if I got in front of people and I got out and talked gotcha. to them and, okay. and, and kind of proved myself, at least proved that I was someone that was going to be around for a while and that had an interest in the industry. So I don't know if that's answering your question or not. Um, as far as high tech and stuff, I'm not very techy. Um, I mean, I have an IT guy that more or less maintains my site. Um, I... Um, getting ready to do to do a site revamp, but God knows I'm not going to do it. It's going to be someone else that does it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm pretty much a whiz with texting, but I mean, it, it's 2022. Everybody is, um, <laughs> you know, I, those are pretty much the tools of trade as far as it comes, as far as I am. I mean, okay. I'm, uh, I can type really fast. That's a skill that I have that I guess I've kind of developed over the years. I was a miserable typer when I was in high school, but now, you know, after, 30 years one of one finger typing. Yeah. It drives me crazy when my, when my sons do that. I'm like, learn how to type, but you know, they don't listen to me. 
but uh, yeah, so I mean, as far as skills and things I've learned and whatever, it's just, it's really mostly been human based. It's mostly been being at the right place at the right time to, to meet the right person and trying to be around people and trying to, to do the same thing for others who are trying to climb the ladder as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Paying it forward. Correct. Hopefully. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. That's what we're all doing. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you're not paying it forward, then you're, you're only out there for yourself. Exactly. We're all pulling on the same rope. Yep. Ideally. Um, so I, I just have a few more questions for you. So I don't want to take up much more of your time, but I really appreciate your time anyways. Sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, those kind of internships that you were talking about where you brought the scouts in or the wannabe scouts, I guess, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, those kind of aspects that you offer to, you know, the next generation of sports leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, the CGSU program, I mean, really proud of it. I, it's not my program, but I am a big part of it. And I kind of ran it for the uh, showcase last year. We're accepting applications right now. You can do that at cgsallstar.com or if you find Jose Jefferson on Twitter and you reach out to him that way, um, you can send a DM to him. You can send a DM to me. Uh, I believe we'll select our 20 or 25 people sometime this fall. And um, it's it's a blast. And I think everyone that comes, they have to cover their own way to get there. They have to cover their own hotel. But once they're there, we feed them and we give them, you know, three or four days and they'll never get anywhere else. Um, I think that's a key internship. We will occasionally have people, I have a great relationship with Rice University. They've got a pretty vibrant sports marketing program. Um, I'm supposed to actually have breakfast in two days with a couple of potential interns there that'll just do some little things with ITL, mostly spreadsheet work, mostly grabbing stuff off the internet. Um, You know, as far as, if you want to find an internship with an agency, you can usually do that. Um, I mean, especially if it's a smaller agency, but those smaller agencies, they're not as sexy, but they give you an opportunity to do, to do so much more. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important, especially now when there's websites out there, there's Twitter accounts out there, there's Instagram accounts out there that allow you to reach these people and hopefully give you an opportunity to show your stuff and show them that you're interested in the industry and that you have something to offer. And so, um, you know, I would pursue something like that if you want to go down the player representation road if you're interested in NIL, be willing to make some cold calls. You can find someone that's going to allow you to make cold calls. I mean, that's kind of the, the least sexy part of the industry of, uh, of all, but it's an important one and everyone's done it. Um, even if they're lying to you one yep. way or another, they've done something like that. And um, so, you know, you got to learn those things. So there's lots of internships out there. I don't do a whole lot of them, but, you know, all-star games have them. Agencies have them. Some NFL teams have them, although they're a little harder to get. But yeah, they're out there if you look for them. And I think um, it would certainly behooves you to try to pursue them and, and try to, you know, one way or another, try to get one. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. All right. My last question is, so if somebody wants to set themselves apart as they progress through their sports career journey, what is something that, what is your advice to give them that competitive edge, to give them that competitive advantage against the, the rest of the competition? Mm-hmm. First of all, you got to know who your competition is. Um, I, despite the fact that I'm kind of a unicorn, I'm a little different. Uh, there certainly have been people along the way that I've been worried about or that have pushed me or that do very similar things to me. And those people remain. I mean, there's still people in the marketplace that I know that I'm, they're kind of a benchmark for me. So I think it starts with knowing your competition, knowing exactly uh, who's out there that's doing what you want to do. I think you got to know what you want to do too. A lot of people will say, well, I'll do anything. 
That's not a good answer. Tell me what you want to do. Tell me what direction you want to go to. If you don't have that purpose, and you don't know specifically where you want to go, you're in big trouble. I think the third thing is try to find something that you'll love, but that not everybody else is doing. And we talked about agents. We talked about scouts and all those kind of things. They are so many people out there pursuing that path, but they've got an incredible amount of competition. I, I mean, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think ITL is very successful if I have 30 people doing exactly what I do, but I've only got really one doing exactly what I do. And so, you know, they're not going to come and fire me. I mean, I'm not going to fire myself. And, um, you know, since I don't have to worry about them so much, then I can be successful. I can kind of figure it out at my own pace. And if I mess something up, I'm less likely to be fired to go to someone else because there's not really anyone else out there. And so I know, I mean, I'm, I'm, humble enough to recognize that that's been a part of my success is that I do something that not everybody else does and I try to do it well. And by God's grace, enough people have believed in that, that, you know, I'm still here. So I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, but that's, that'd be my words of advice to anyone who really wants to go down this path and really pursue their passion, any passion, especially football. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, thank you very, very much for your time, Neil. I really appreciate it. Um, if somebody wants to reach out and get in, get in contact with you, what is their best form of communication with you? You can go to the website, insidethelead.com. There's a contact us button. That email comes directly to me. You can also follow us on Twitter. My DMs are always open. You're welcome to reach out to me that way. We have a newsletter that comes out on Friday. It's called the Friday Wrap. It's really popular in the industry. You can find on Twitter the way to register for that. Um, if you respond to that email, it comes directly to me as well. I don't hide. Um, I'm pretty out there. <laughs> Uh, if you click around on my website enough, you can find my cell phone number as well. Um, a lot of people call me all the time, um, but I'm here and, and I try to help people when people need help. I, I try to give them some time. There are a lot of people that gave me time um, that had nothing to gain from it. And so I try to, you know, same, same theme that we've been talking about, I kind of try to pay it forward. Um, no promises, but I'll do everything I can to help anybody. I want everyone. I believe in the win-win. I believe that we can all succeed. Um, Maybe not exactly the same way, but we can all get what we want. And um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy to help people because that person may help me down the road too. So it's almost a selfish thing to help people because, you know, once you help them, then hopefully they're going to be willing to uh, you know, take some time for you if, if, if need be. And, and I've benefited from that many, many times in my career. So, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find um, Twitter, the website. And um, if you get our newsletter, then uh, you can respond to that as well. So I'm here. Anyone needs me, just reach out. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Neil. You know, I really appreciate it. You have a great day and hopefully uh, we'll be in contact soon. Sounds great, Lauren. Thanks again. Have a blessed day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.